You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. It's Labor Day weekend, uh, which is typically middle of family reunion weekend. Some of you may have had family reunions recently or you have some coming up. Uh, and it's interesting because the passage of Scripture we're going to talk about today has, has a lot to do with work and family. Because Paul's making the, the contrast or the point to us in this passage, we're no longer servants, but we're sons and daughters. We're no longer slaves, but we are children of God. And he's telling them, you're not sons and daughters because you've committed yourselves to hard work. You're not sons and daughters because of all the things that you have done but rather your sons and daughters because of what God has done, what He has done. That's what makes us sons and daughters. And tomorrow you might gather with your family or you might celebrate with friends and you take a day off from your labor. And you won't do that to punch a clock. You won't do it because you're obligated or because you're going to receive a paycheck by gathering with your family. You're you're not there out of obligation. You're there because you're gathering with friends and family with people that you love. You are resting and you're celebrating and gathering. And that's what we do every Sunday. We gather with people that are in our family. Gather with people that that we love and we care about, that we're celebrating with. And so we have a family reunion every Sunday here at Faith Church at 1030. Only difference being that it's once a week and you can look for a date at this family reunion. Not yours though, right? That's not a good idea. They do that in some places, This family reunion is one we have on a weekly basis, and we we celebrate and we gather, not because we're under obligation to, not because it's what makes us part of the family, because we have an opportunity to celebrate and enjoy one another. But many people have this view of Christianity in our culture today that it's it's an enslavement. They think, well, I wouldn't want to be a Christian because then I have to keep all of these rules and, and go to church and have to read the Bible, and there are things that I really like doing that I wouldn't be allowed to do anymore. So I don't want to become a Christian because I don't want to give up all of this stuff. And see, the reason that they think that way is they have this idea that Christianity is this enslavement. When it's not, it's a family. We're not slaves. We're sons and daughters of God. I heard the story of a a company that they, they needed to get some new young blood into their company. And so they brought in this consultant and the consultant was trying to show them ways that they could get new guys in. And he said, one of the things you really need to do is you need to encourage these guys that are in upper management to go ahead and retire. And if you offer them a package attractive enough, they'll, they'll go ahead and retire and then you can get new young blood into your management. So they, they put together this real attractive retirement program and they offered it. And many of the guys in upper management took it except for this one guy. And so... The consultant couldn't believe it was, it was almost like by staying at work, he was going to be getting less money because of all the benefits and the package they put together. So he, he just didn't understand, why would this guy keep coming to work every day when he could go home and do what he wanted and have retirement and, and make just as good of money? So when he talked to the old timer, the old timer said, see kid, that's where you're wrong. If I retire, I don't get to do what I want. I get to do what my wife wants me to do. <laughs> Here, I'm the boss, but at home, I'm not the boss. So I'm going to keep coming to work here where I I call the shots. And there are many people that they think that becoming a Christian is becoming this this slave. It's becoming this this servant. It's becoming bound by all of these rules. 
The early church father, Augustine, he, he thought this. He, he was a player. He enjoyed playing the field. And, and he enjoyed doing what he wanted, when he wanted, with whom he wanted. And so he didn't like the idea of Christianity. But when he became a Christian, he said this. He said, our hearts are restless until it finds rest in you, Lord. You see, what he had experienced was not freedom in the world, but rather a restlessness in the world. And when he came home to the Lord, he found rest. There are many people who have chosen to live a life without limits, a life without rules, a life where they can do what they want, when they want, where they want, with who they want. And that lifestyle has led them to what? It's led them to slavery. It's led them to imprisonment. There are people today that they are locked up, they're jailed because they decided they were going to do what they wanted to do and it ended up getting them in trouble. Jesus told a story about work and family. He told the story of a father who owned a farm and he had two sons. And the younger son came to his father and said, Father, I want my inheritance now. And when the father gave him his inheritance, he left the farm within a few days and went to live in a far country. Scripture tells us that he wasted all of his money on riotous living and partying. He was doing what he wanted. He was far away from his father's rules. But it wasn't long that that lifestyle of doing what he wanted, where he wanted, when he wanted, with who he wanted, landed him in a place that he didn't want to be. Because he ran out of money. And he found himself working as a servant, feeding hogs in a pig pen. And he was so hungry that he thought about eating what the pigs were eating. In that moment, he has this this moment of clarity. And he says, in my father's house... On my father's farm, servants live better than this. I'll go back to my father and and I'll tell him that I realize I'm no longer worthy to be called his son, but I'm willing to work as a servant. So the son returns home and when he sees his father, his father runs to him and he begins this speech that he's rehearsed. Luke 15 tells us that before he can get to the word servant, the father cuts him off and he calls for this son to be clothed. And kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a party because my son who was lost is now found. My son who was dead is now alive again. You see, what Jesus was telling us is that living this life that we think offers us freedom really ends up leading us to enslavement. But coming home to the Lord, we can be sons and daughters. And Paul is writing to the Galatians, these people in a church that he had planted, people he'd shared the gospel with. They had turned from their sin to, to follow Christ. They had become Christians. They had been baptized, but they were starting to make all of these mistakes because they were starting to think, maybe this isn't enough. Maybe this isn't everything. Maybe I need to keep some rules and some laws. And so Paul is making this emphasis here in chapter 4 that we are no longer slaves. We are not bound to any rules or laws. We're not bound to earn our keep as a servant would. But rather, we have been made sons and daughters. In chapter 3, in verse 26, he says, We are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 29 of chapter 3, he says, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. You receive the inheritance. In verse 4, he says, God sent forth His Son, Verse 5, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Verses 6 and 7, we say, because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
So you are no more a servant, but a son. And everything else that we will look at in this passage this week and next hinges upon this idea. God has done this incredible work to bring us into the family of God. We are no longer slaves. We have been made sons and daughters. God Himself came in the form of a man, made Himself a servant or a slave to death, hell, and the grave so that we could be made sons of God. This is what God has done for us. Now, when Paul is writing this to the Galatians, the ideas of of servitude and slavery and adoption even would have been very different in their minds. Today, when we think of slavery, we think of people who are kidnapped from their homeland and forced into manual labor on plantations. That's not what would have been happening in the Greek world. It would have been people who are finding all of their employment and, and their 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 lodging and their their food with an employer. They would belong to them because they were receiving everything from them. That was different, but also adoption was different. When we think of adoption, we typically think of a couple adopting a baby or perhaps foster parents caring for a child, maybe even a teenager. But in scriptural times, while there were those types of adoptions for orphans whose Families had been lost to disease or disaster. More often, there were people who grew up and had no children. And they would adopt an adult to be their child. As they grow older and realize that they would have no heir to carry on their family name, to carry on their family business, to carry on the family estate, there would be no one there to care for them. They would adopt an adult son who could care for them and their affairs in their old years, and then take on the family name, carry on the legacy, carry on the family business, carry on the family estate. There's an example of this in Old Testament Scripture. God promises Abraham that he'll have a multitude of descendants. But Abraham's getting older and older, and he's not getting any younger, and he still doesn't have any children. He wouldn't say it out loud, but his wife was looking older too, and he didn't think that there was going to be an opportunity for them to have kids. So he talks to God and he says, God, will, will my servant, will he be the one who inherits, inherits everything in my household? He had a servant, Eliezer, who had grown up in his home, who had been there since he was a child. And Abraham's saying, if I don't have any children, he'll become my heir. What Paul is saying here to the Galatians is that God sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be adopted into the family so that we could receive the family name, so that we could carry on the family legacy, so that we could have rights on the family estate. God has welcomed us in. Paul is saying this in these verses because God adopted us. We have been adopted into the family of God. We didn't have any rights to God's riches or His glory or His promises, but we have been made heirs. We're listed in the will. We've been given this opportunity to be a part of God's family. There were people in the Galatian church, they, they thought that was only true for those that were Jews or those who acted like Jews. But Paul is saying, the promises are ours through faith. If you believe, you belong. If you trust in Christ, you're in the family of God. And then in verse 6, Paul gives us this beautiful verse. And I encourage you to highlight it or underline it. God sent the Spirit of His Son to cry within our hearts, 
Abba, Father. When we are adopted into the family of God, when we place our trust in Christ, it's not merely a legal exchange. It's not just signing your name on some dotted line. It's, it's not just some fact or figure. It's, it's God sending His Spirit to testify within us that we are God's children. Now, now God is not an experience. A relationship with God is, is not emotions and feelings, but it's more than facts and figures. And God wants us to have this assurance he wants to have us to have this knowledge, this peace, that we have been forgiven and we've been adopted into the family of God. He wants us to know it's real. It's real. And oh man, this is so important. Please grab a hold of this with both hands. Paul is saying God has sent His Spirit to cry out within our own hearts, Abba, Father, that we might know that He is our Father that we might know that we have been adopted. See, the Galatians were insecure in their faith. They were worried that they hadn't done enough, that they weren't worthy, that they needed to trust but also accomplish the law. They needed to trust and also change some things about their lives. They were worried that they hadn't done enough, that they weren't worthy. And Paul is saying, God has sent His Spirit to your hearts so that you can know that you're a son of God. So that you can know that you're forgiven. So you are not insecure. So you are not filled with fear. But you know that you have been given adoption into the family of God. God does not give us fear. He gives us faith. He does not bring about panic in our hearts. He gives us peace. God gives us assurance, not anxiety. When God works in our lives, we have this peace which passes all understanding. And Scripture makes it clear, God wants us to know that we can know. He wants us to know that we're forgiven. He doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to doubt. He wants to have a peace that everything's okay, that everything's all right. This past year, we moved to a home that's it's a little bit more in the country. All right? It's a lot more in the country. And when we come home after dark, it's dark outside. When we make our way from the car to the door, Haven will often say, Dad, will you hold my hand? You know why? Because she's scared of the dark. And if she can hold my hand, she knows, she knows I'm there. She knows that she's okay. And what Paul says here to the Galatians is, God has sent His Spirit to cry out within your own heart, Abba, Father, that you know that He is your Father, that you know that He's your God. And what God tells us again and again and again in Scripture is you can rest assured. You can find your rest in Him. You don't have to worry. You don't have to doubt. 1 John 4.13 says, Hereby we know that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us His Spirit. Romans 8.1 and verse 16 says this, There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Jesus, who walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.18, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. He's saying if you are afraid, God will work that out in you, because He's not bringing you fear, He's bringing you faith. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Job, who went through the horrible, horrible catastrophes in his life, still had hope and peace. Why? Because he said this, I know that my Redeemer lives and, and He shall stand on that last day. Paul would write to his apprentice in the faith, Timothy, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. 1 John 4, 5.13 says, These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life. He would say in 3.19 and 21, Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts of him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. You know what he's saying? He's saying if your heart is telling you that you're not right, your heart's telling you that you don't have peace, your heart's telling you that you're not saved, God is greater than that. He can overcome that doubt. But if your heart doesn't condemn you, it is God working in you to give you this peace and confidence. How beautiful it is in verse 6 that he says, We have been adopted into the family of God, and God has sent His very Spirit to testify within our hearts so that we may know that we have been adopted into the family of God. So if you're here this morning, and you've placed your trust in Christ, but you're not sure, you can be sure. No one needs to go to bed tonight wondering what would happen to them if they didn't wake up the next morning. Nobody needs to face tomorrow unsure about the eternal destiny. We can all have this confidence that we have been adopted into the family of God. Oh, friends, that is good. That is good. You know, somebody once told me that kids are resilient. And they were trying to justify some decisions that they were making that was going to upheave the lives of their kids. And I agreed that kids are resilient. It's amazing the things that some children go through and show great strength. Kids are resilient. But you know what a child needs more than anything? Stability. Stability. And God has made that possible to His children through the work of His Spirit. We can know. We do not have to doubt. We don't have to wonder, am I I still a slave? When that son returned back to his father on the farm and he started that speech about, I realize I'm no longer worthy to be called a son and I'm worthy to work as a servant, the father stopped him and said, bring shoes for his feet and bring a robe for him to wear and put a ring on his finger and kill the fatted calf and we're going to have a party. You know why he did all of those things? Because those are things that you do for a son. Nobody wears shoes in the master's house except for the master's family. Nobody gets a cloak of dignity except for the son. And nobody receives a ring with the family crest 
except for a child of the Father. He is communicating to that son and to everyone else. This is no servant. This is no slave. This is my son. This is my son. And friend, if you have come to Christ, if you've turned your back on your sin and your shame, you've come to Him and placed your faith and hope in Him, He says, this is my son. This is my daughter. And He leaves no room for doubt. This is important. Because if we doubt our place in God's family, we will try harder. We will look for something else to add on, to tack on. That's what the people in Galatia were doing. They had put their faith in Christ, but they were insecure. They were unsure. And so they were trying to add other things on to to make sure that they were going to be okay. Paul says, you don't need to do that. You're a son. You're a daughter. You don't need to graduate from faith on to something else. If we graduate at all, we graduate from trusting in ourselves and our own efforts to trusting in Christ. We trust in Him. We have peace. So Paul's main point is that we are no longer slaves. And the outgrowth of that is, if we are no longer slaves, why would we live like slaves? Why would we live like servants? If we are sons and daughters, why live as slaves? My, my kids love to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. And they will watch them on YouTube or they'll watch them on Netflix. And they were watching it the other day when I was preparing them a snack in the kitchen. And the video clip that they showed was of a church service like this one. And I always pay a special interest to those because I think this could be me one day. I could end up doing something silly that's worthy of being on America's Funny Some Videos. The preacher was preaching. He's on the stage and he's talking about faith. And he's saying faith is having trust in something. And when you have trust in something, you can rest on it. And he says, I have faith that this pew, and there's this old pew sitting on their stage. He said, I have faith that this pew can hold me. And he stepped up on it. He said, because I believe it can hold me, I'm willing to stand up on this thing. The pew was able to hold him. But it wasn't secured to the floor. It flipped out from under him and he landed on his back. And I'm, I'm at the age now that when I watch America's Funniest Home Videos, instead of laughing, I cringe. You're like, oh man, that's got to hurt so bad. He's trying to make a point about faith. He said, I, I believe this will hold me. But he was standing on a stage that would hold him. And what the Galatians were doing is they're, they're standing on a faith that will hold them, that's made them sons and daughters of God, that's given them forgiveness of their sins. And they're saying, well, I believe the law is good. I'll jump on that. And it's fallen out from under them. We're, we're sons and daughters. We don't need to live like slaves. We don't need to go looking for something else to put our faith in. The object of our faith is Christ and He is sure. He is a sure foundation. Why look anywhere else? We need not earn our salvation. We need not earn our keep or work for our place. We have been given a seat at the table as a son or as a daughter. And when we step off of the foundation of Christ to stand upon anything else, we will have fear and anxiety and insecurity because we know that we are unable to earn our keep. 
So in Galatians 4.9, Paul says, But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? Again, unto bondage. He says, why would you go back to weak and beggarly things when you've had Jesus? Weak and beggarly. Do you hear what he's saying there? Weak and beggarly. He's saying ineffective and penniless. Why would you go to anything else that can give you nothing? Why would you put your faith in something that can help you? Not at all. Cannot give you anything. Weak and beggarly. Weak and worthless. But we do this all of the time. We have our faith in Christ and He has given us forgiveness of our sins. We've been made righteous in the sight of God. But then some doubt or some insecurity creeps into our lives and we say, well, maybe if I could just have this. Maybe maybe if I could just do this. Maybe if I could just show people. Maybe if I could just demonstrate to everybody that, that I'm... You have faith in Christ. He is a sure foundation. Why go looking anywhere else? Paul uses the same word of elements in verse 3. Talking about the elements of this world, the elemental spirits of this world. He's saying in Christ we have this sure foundation and everything else, every other answer that this world has, every other element in this world that you can put your trust in, it does not hold a candle to Christ. There is no other thing worthy of our attention, our affection, our trust. Because every other religion in the world and every other element in the world cannot tell us what the message of Christ tells us. You see, the message of every other religion in the world is try harder, do more, give more, sacrifice more. The message of every religion in the world is do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. But the message of Jesus Christ is it's done. It's done. The message of this world is try harder, but the message of the gospel is trust. Trust. He says, even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Paul is pointing out to them that those that were under the law as Jews and those that were not, those that were in sin were slaves, those that were trying to live by the works of the law, they may not have been slaves, but they were like children. And he says, you know what the difference between a slave and a child is? Nothing. Neither has the freedom to do what they want. He's saying those that were Jews, you had the promise of what was ahead, but it wasn't until that promise came in Christ. Do you know what Jesus is saying? You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, whether you lived your life out in the world or you lived your life growing up in church, whether you lived your life learning the law or you lived your life breaking the law, all of us, must trust in Christ. All of us. Jesus tells that story about the prodigal son. He doesn't end with the son being welcomed back home and the fatted calf being killed in a party. He keeps talking. He keeps telling the story. Because the story's not over. The story goes on that there is an older son who never left home, who is out in the field working, 
and he hears the partying at the house. And he asks one of the servants next to him, he says, what's all this noise? The servant says, your brother who was lost is now found. He's come back home. They're celebrating that he's home. The older brother marches up to where the house is, but he will not go in. And he stays outside upset. The father comes out to him and talks to him. And the older brother is upset. He says, I have done everything that you have ever asked me to. I have kept the rules. I didn't take your money and spend it partying. And you throw a party for him. And I'm out here in the field working. The older brother is upset that the younger brother has been welcomed back home. And the father speaks to the older brother and he says, there's still an inheritance for you. Come in and join us. Join the celebration. Join the party that your brother has come home. But the older brother won't because he's so angry that he's kept the law and the younger brother hasn't. You see, whether we have grown up breaking the law or keeping the law, what matters is if we put our trust in Christ. And for the younger son who came home, he put his trust back in the father. But for that older son who never left, he was still trusting in himself and keeping the rules. And he didn't go in the party. He didn't join in the celebration. And Jesus is telling the story to people who have kept the rules their whole life, but they won't trust Christ because they feel like they're okay on their own. They're putting their trust in themselves and the good that they've done. And the tragedy of the story is that the younger, irresponsible son comes home and the older, more responsible brother who never left home never comes in the home. He was that close all along, but he never comes in. And friend, I want you to know that just as the father ran to meet the younger son, he came out to speak with the older son. And whether you have lived a life of breaking the law or keeping the law, the father comes to you and says, you must trust me. You cannot earn it. You must trust me. Father is saying to him, why would you want your relationship with me to be like a servant? You're a son. You have a place at the table. Why would you keep trying to work for what is freely yours? That's what Paul is saying to these Galatians. Why do you keep trying to work for what God has already given you? He's already given you His grace, His forgiveness. Why do you keep working for it? Why do you keep trusting in yourself? God's already given it to you. See, our struggle is that we often forget how destitute we are. And we often forget how blessed we are. We often forget how broken we were. And we often forget how faithful He's been. John Newton wrote the tune Amazing Grace. But long before that, when he was seven years old, his mother died and he became an orphan. He scavenged and made his way from place to place from the age of seven to eleven. At the age of eleven, he took a job on a ship working on a ship as an eleven-year-old. 
And the ship that he worked on was a trade ship trading in slaves. When he was 23, 12 years after he had taken the job on that ship, they were caught in the middle of a horrible storm. He knew that if he died, he had no hope of going to heaven. He called out to God. God saved him. He walked away from that ship. He became a pastor and a writer. And in his study where he wrote his sermons, he wrote Amazing Grace. In his study over the mantle were the words of Deuteronomy 15.15, which say, You will remember that you were a slave, but you were redeemed. Every one of us, whether we grew up under the law or refused the law, whether we grew up responsible or irresponsible, every one of us were slaves, but we were redeemed. Let us not forget that we were slaves, but we are sons and daughters. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.